Welcome to Vision Drip, a podcast designed to give you a steady drip of our vision, mission, and DNA to establish and refine the gospel culture at Sacred City Church. I'm your host, Pastor Sam Schmidt, church planter and pastor of Sacred City Church in Moline, Illinois. I am so excited to have you with me as I hope this podcast helps to equip you as a disciple of Jesus in the everyday rhythms of life as we set out to make disciples, plant churches, and renew the city. Not only do I hope that this podcast helps you grow, but it would grow your affections for Jesus. So let's dive into this episode of Sacred City Vision Drill. Welcome to Sacred City Vision Drip. Pastor Sam here today with you. And, uh, well, first of all, i got to apologize here because last week I had a brand new podcast ready to go, ready to drop, and probably actually got pushed to your phones if you're subscribed, uh, which, by the way, if you're not subscribed, you probably should do that. Go ahead. Hit that subscribe button um, on Spotify or iTunes so you get this pushed to your phone every time a new episode drops. But guess what? I made a mistake. Last week was a crazy week. Had a lot of stuff going on. Um, My family, we bought a new home, got moved in, trying to get settled, lots of projects underway. And so I tried to work ahead a little bit and say, hey, I'll record one of these podcasts. And I did that. But guess what? I I forgot to actually include the audio. So uh, if you happen to try to listen to it, uh, it was basically the intro the music, and then silence for probably about 20 minutes, and then the closing outro music, which makes for a pretty bad podcast, if you ask me. So I'm coming back at this, trying it again. I lost the file on my computer, and so we are going to come back at this. I'm going to, you know, Identities and Rhythms 2.0. Hopefully this is better, because I honestly, you know, I can't really remember everything I said last time. So we're just going to give it a whole new go here. And um, the reason why I want to do this is because... When I started this podcast, I jumped kind of right into the deep end here. There was a couple things that I just want to talk about and put out in front of people in regards to hospitality, how we become hospitable people um, as we believe the gospel, as we uh, receive the hospitality of Jesus and his welcoming of us into his family um, and kind of work through some of that stuff. But, But what I... You know, this this is a podcast de- designed to press us into um, the core beliefs about Sacred City Church, the, the, the mission, the vision, the DNA of Sacred City Church, and just to have some sort of reminders that comes. Because a lot of this stuff, you know, if you're listening to it, it gets sprinkled throughout our sermons. Um, we hear it through our uh, missional community curriculum. Um, but if it's not just put right in front of you, sometimes you can, can easily look over it. So, um, this is something that I want to talk about with identities and rhythms. Um, and we talk about this actually in our sacred city, uh, member membership classes. Um, it's one of the first sessions that we have. I'm talking about this because what we, what we believe at sacred city church is that when you believe the gospel, when you put your faith in Jesus, something radical happens to you, something so profound, something that changes you um, at the most foundational level. Um, and, and in fact, when Jesus is talking um, to Nicodemus, 
Nicodemus comes to him and says, Hey, what do I need to do to enter the kingdom of heaven? And Jesus says, well, you've got to be born again. And well, what do you mean? Do you crawl back in my mother's womb? How do you do that? Well, Jesus says, no, you're going to be born by the spirit. What he's talking about is this regeneration, this new birth that takes place. And the apostle Paul in second Corinthians five talks about this. He, he says, this is what happens. Therefore, um, if anyone is in Christ, he's a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. And here he is, he's pointing to this. And, and if you read through the New Testament, you can see this, the old man or the dying man and the new man, the one who's made alive in Christ. Uh, um, this exchange that happens that though we're here still in this world and, and we are bound by sin and flesh, in a sense, we've been freed from it ultimately in Christ. And so we have this newness of life in him that as we believe the gospel, as the gospel is at the front of our minds and we're being reminded of it day in, day out, moment by moment, it's actually um, reorienting us to life, reshaping life for us in a way that actually Jesus says so profound, you become a new creation. Now that doesn't mean you lose your personality, you lose your unique characteristics that make you new. No, no, or make you yourself, actually what happens is Jesus, it's like you become your most robust version, the most truest, most beautiful version of yourself in Christ. Um, and so this is what Paul, uh, Paul is talking about in becoming a, a new creation. And um, and so we talk about this in Sacred City. We, we want to, I think the, the fact that we have union with Christ is maybe the most unbelievable thing. I mean, I, I could honestly preach week after week about union with Christ it's something that has really come alive to me in the last couple of years. Um, and such a glorious reality that it, it's hard to just pass up. But, but one of the th- ways that we kind of press into this, this reality that we are a new creation in Christ is by talking about our identities and rhythms. And so one of the things that tends to happen with churches is that, um, it, and it may not be, uh, at, like you know, it, it may not be put out like this, um, articulated like this, or or um, I'm trying to think of the word, um, where it's just pl- so blatantly said like this, where it's like you have to do things in order to become this new type of person. We we actually reject that idea that you have these hoops to jump through in order to become a Christian first. It's like really, there's only one thing you, you got to put your faith in Jesus, repentance and faith. Boom, right there, you're a new creation, and it's from uh, our new identities, from this new personhood that we have in Christ that we believe our action flows out of this being. So it's our new being, it's our new identity. And so we do not def- define ourselves by what we do or by what we don't do. Rather, we define by who are defined by who we are in Christ. Um, and so this is how we talk about this with our, the fact that in Christ, we have um, new identities. We have a, a new um, talk about four different ways, family, missionary, servants, and learners that we live out the gospel day in and day out um, that shapes us in a really profound kind of a way. And so what I want to do is just to kind of break these down a little bit and talk through them. Um, these might be familiar to you. Maybe this is new stuff. I know we've got a missional community curriculum um, that I believe one of the missional communities has been working through this and having a really good discussion around this and just brainstorming how do we live into these identities more fully. And so as you're listening to this, maybe think about this, ask yourself some of these questions like, am I doing this? Because uh, it, it's not a matter of are, are you, if you're, if you're a Christian, it's not a matter of, are you part of a family? Are you a missionary? Are you a servant? Are you a learner? Um, that's what you are. It's just a question of, 
are you a good one? Are you living into that identity? Are you living up to that that sort of uh, calling that Jesus has placed on your life in Christ? And so here, I'm going to go through this and just kind of break them down and talk about how um, these identities and rhythms fit together. So family, we, we talk about, first of all, we are children of God um, who live and care for each other as family. God has always desired a people, an earthly family, who would live in such a way that the world would know what he is like. Um, Jesus said that those who live in his ways and obey his father are truly his family. Through Jesus, we believe we are children of God and brothers and sisters with each other. As family, we see it as our call to personally care for the needs of one another, both physically and spiritually through missional community and the Sunday gathering. We disciple, nurture, and hold each other accountable to our covenant life together. So here's the reality. Um, When we are saved... We can now call God our Father. He's our Heavenly Father. So he's, we went from being um, orphans of wrath to now the beloved children of, of the Father. Um, and, and in being adopted, um, as, as Romans tells us, we're adopted um, by God through Christ. We look around and realize that we've got brothers and sisters. So not only do I call God my father, but I have brothers and sisters in the faith who share the same faith in Jesus um, that now I call my brothers and sisters. And so this is a radical reorientation where it's not just, um, in fact, Jesus kind of demonstrates this when when um, people, his disciples come to him and say, hey, your, your mother and your brothers are waiting for you. They're, and he says, who's my mother? Who's my brother? It's like the ones who, who um, love my father, who obey uh, the father are truly his family. And so he's, he has this this new shift. And in the first century, this would have been really radical because there was nothing more intimate or sacred than the nuclear family. And here Jesus is saying, actually, the family of God takes precedence in his life. Um, and so we, we, we live this out by um, not just you know, really wanting to cultivate our own families, our nuclear families, um, to love Jesus, to be um, households of worship and mission and uh, and and all that stuff. Um, but we want to develop meaningful relationships with our brothers and sisters in the faith um, through our interactions with the missional community, and not just missional community in the sense of you know I've got this thing that's on my calendar once a week that I show up and have a meal for and we sit together and that's it. But actually like living out that identity as a family, that's not just one night a week, but throughout the whole week, how do we see each other? How do we engage? How do we look after each other? How do we care for each other's needs? Especially, um, you know, like we're just kind of in a unique time where the, the whole COVID thing's still going on. Um, and, how, how can we care for each other as family when somebody goes uh, under the weather there? So uh, just things like that. And so the question is, you know, if you are a family, if you've been brought in the family of God, first of all, do you love your family? Um, do you have affections for the people that God's placed around you in your church family? Are you pursuing them? Are you nurturing those relationships? Are you, um, uh, intentionally engaging in that and developing a, a culture of family. Um, and, and so that that's the first identity um, as family. And we're not just a family where we hurt, uh, huddle up together and kind of do our own thing. Um, you know, just like, Oh, it's just us and us and uh, you know, my brothers and sisters, but actually we're a family that's on mission. Um, Tim Keller says that, that God's like a spiritual tornado. He never brings us in without the intention of sending us back out. It's like, so we get brought in as family and we get sent out um, as missionaries to um, 
recruit, if if you will, um, more brothers and sisters to uh, put their trust in Jesus so that they would become children of God. And so we live as missionaries. Here's what we say. And, and this stuff that I'm reading here is quoted on our website. So if you want to go back and there's some scripture references, you can go back, dive into it yourself. Um, I'm just going to read through these. We are sent by God to restore all things to himself. God sent his son, Jesus, to earth to take on human form and live within the culture. He worked, ate, and interacted among the people, living in such a way that those around him could see and experience what God was truly like. Jesus came so that all people, places, and things could be restored to a right relationship with God. In the same way, we believe we are missionaries sent into our culture to restore all things to God through Jesus. Now, this is so interesting here because I I think there are a couple of, of, um, you know, errors that churches tend to make or just Christians in general is, um, either one, we don't recognize the distinctiveness that we have as Christians, that we've been set apart for God. Um, and so we sort of get, just sort of get right back into the, the, the mainstream, um, the, the typical cultural narratives, the cultural um, expectations and assumptions. And so we don't actually live into our distinct identity as family or as the people of God. Um, and, and if we do that, we don't really make good missionaries because we're not calling people to something new. Um, and the other, on the other side of that is, okay, we believe that we are a distinct people, that we've been called out by God. We've been, you know, we're his, uh, his beloved possession, his, his treasured possession. Um, yet we live in such a way where we're dis- detached from the culture at large. The other people who Jesus, that, that don't yet know Jesus, that God is sending us to, to in our city, in our neighborhoods, our workplaces, our families, uh, to engage and to, to invite them into relationship with Jesus by showing them what Jesus, what the Father is like. And so we have this mentality here at Sacred City is that, yeah, we are a distinct people. We've been called out, but we, we've been called out to engage with the culture in such a way that shows people what the Father uh what the father is like, what Jesus is like so that, that they would, um, see his beauty, see the, the truth, see his goodness and be drawn to him. And so this is pretty much what we were talking about a couple of weeks ago, as we preached through the sermon on the Mount, when Jesus says, you are, you are city on the hill. You are, um, you are light. Um, you're the salt of the earth. It's not meant to be tucked away. It's not meant to be hidden. It's not meant to be underused. Um, and so this is how we step into this as missionaries. We engage with our culture, not to adopt the culture or, or not to be, um, you know, Jesus says to, to be, uh, um, uh, where am I at? Romans 12, uh, do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be renewed. Let your mind be renewed. Um, um, let your heart, let your whole person be renewed. Um, and so this is where Jesus is calling us out of the pattern, but but to engage in a way um, where we can be winsome, where we can be bringing people uh, to have this understanding or an experience of, of God and, and see what he's like. And so um, just as Jesus came to earth, he put on flesh, he moved into the neighborhood, as Eugene Peterson says, man, we do the same thing. We live as missionaries right where we're at. And and so as we live as family, now this is really interesting that, that 
Jesus um, makes the me is the means in which we can become adopted. Jesus is the missionary who is sent after us. But here's another thing. Jesus is the servant um, who comes who could be um, placed on a pedestal. Uh, after all, he is a king of kings and lords and lord of lords. Um, but he did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. And here we see this this third identity that we talk about as servants. We say this, we are servants of God who serve others as a way of life. Being fully God and fully human, Jesus took on the posture of a servant. He gave his life even unto death so that others could experience salvation, peace, and restoration. Jesus said, I am among you as one who serves. And all those who follow Jesus are called to serve in the same humility. For us, this means joyful submission to God, leadership to, uh, to excuse me, submission to God, leadership, and to each other as we serve whomever God brings into our lives. And so this is radical. So, you know, this means no matter where you are in life, no matter what kind of position or what sort of prestige you may carry, um, you are occupying that space as a servant, whether you're CEO, whether you're working um, as a janitor, whether you're working on the assembly line, your calling um, is a servant as as Jesus has modeled for us what it looks like to serve. And so w- one of the things that this means is that we've got to be aware of the needs of other people. And we're, we're going to talk about this as we get into rhythms, but to see the needs of other people, to have eyes to see, ears to hear, um, ways that we can help people and get them the kind of assistance that they need. Um, and what this means is that no matter what station in life that you occupy, whether you're a CEO, um, whether you're a janitor scrubbing toilets, whether you're on the assembly line, teaching in the classroom, whatever you might be doing, um, stay at home mom, whatever it might be, uh, you're there not for your own gain, not for your own sake, not for your own prestige, but for the glory and fame of Jesus and the way that you can um, demonstrate that, the, the way that you can show glory to the Father is by living a humble life and taking the role of a servant just as as Jesus did and demonstrated for us. Now, this is a um, learning to be a, uh, a good family member, a good missionary, um, to be a humble and uh, joyful servant. Man, that, that, this is not a small task. And it's something that uh, that just takes time to develop. In. And one of the things um, that we've got to do is realize that we are lifelong learners. We are, um, so that's the fourth identity, as learners. And, and we, you can say learners, you can say disciples. We're um, practicing the way of Jesus. And so we say we are disciples of Jesus who take responsibility for our own development and the development of others. As a young man, Jesus grew in wisdom, stature, and favor with men. He learned from local religious teachers by living in community and through regular times of listening to God. Jesus calls others to follow him, his ways, um, to be his disciples and to live in obedience to all that God commands. He then sent those followers out to make new disciples. We are called in the same life of learning discipleship and the discipling of others. This includes both our personal time with God as well as pursuing to, uh, pursuing together the training provided by spiritual leadership. And so what this is just saying is like, listen, no, nobody's great at following Jesus from the, from the you know, right out of the chute. Um, we are learning to live all of our life in submission to Jesus, and it takes all of our life to to grow in this. And it's just from one degree of glory to the next, Jesus is transforming us. We're, we're learning to follow in Jesus' footsteps. Um and so that might mean, you know, like, okay, first of all, it means like you're going to be 
somebody who personally takes responsibility for your own discipleship. You're, you're going to have a, a devotional time. Um, you're going to make sure that you're going to the Sunday gathering. You're going to make sure that um, you're, you're hearing content that um, encourages you in the gospel, reading good books, um, listening to good podcasts, things of that nature. Um, you're just going to take on this identity as a learner where you just constantly are growing and learning. Um, but there's also this, this, uh, not just an intellectual, uh, ascent, but it is a, a, a life, like a whole personhood, um, active pursuit of learning. How do I actually, so like, how do I learn to love my wife um, that mirrors Christ's love for the church in a greater way? I've got to learn how to do that. How do I, how do I lead my kids um, in a way that, that doesn't provoke them to anger, but teaches them to um, grow like in, in the fear and admon- admonition of the Lord? How do I do that? I've got to learn how to do that. And the way that I do that is exposing myself to the scriptures, being in community where I can hear from other people who have gone before me, other people who can speak wi- wisely into my circumstances and, and to also just invest in me as a disciple. And then for me to turn around and do the same thing with others, um, that, that discipleship relationships ought to be mutually beneficial, that, that there's this give and take where um, I can speak into your life, you can speak into my life. And that's just part of our identity as learners. Now, we, we can talk about these um, identities, but, but what happens is w- when you live in identity, um, it, it generates these rhythms that become part of your everyday life. So I, we don't have to sit down and say, okay, um, for the next one to two hours, you're going to exercise your identity as a family and we are going to have a, uh, a church potluck. Um, and that is going to be the designated time in this week where you get to do that or, or for missions like, Hey, we, we have a mission event where, um, for this 30 minute window once a month, you're going to be a missionary and do some, no, no, no. This is stuff like when, when you're living your life in the gospels, you know, the gospels before you at all times, um, the these identities produce a certain kind of rhythm in your everyday context of doing everyday life. Um, and so we, we have, um, borrowed these really, these are, are not our own inventions here, but they come from scripture. Um, uh, the guys at, uh, at Soma, Jeff Vanderstelt and, uh, Cesar Kowaninski, uh, I don't know if I said his name right, but, uh, these guys have really done a great job of articulating these things. And, and so we've adopted some of them. Uh, and so we say, Hey, we, we break this down into five. Oh, is that right? Five. Yeah. Five, rhythms that we can see playing out in, in the everyday thing of life. So first of all, uh, we listen. So come piggybacking off of our identity as, as a learner is like, we're, we're going to listen to God. We set aside regular times to listen to God, both backward and forward. I, I like this idea of saying backward and forward. So backward thinking, okay, I'm going to go back to God's word. What has he said in the past? What, what is, what has his word said um, that the church uh, over the last you know, thousands of years has held on to what has been reorienting for them. I'm going to go back and I'm going to listen to that. And I'm going to devour the word of God. I'm going to um, saturate myself in God's word. Um, but I also want to listen to God forward because God is still speaking. Not, not, I'm not saying he's, you know, the Bible is done. It's complete. That's one of the things that John says at the last book in the, uh, the last book of revelation. Um, the scriptures have been completed, but God is still speaking through his spirit. Um, he's guiding us, leading us, showing us, uh, where to go, what he has for us. And so we listen to God, um, both backward and forward. So we've got to be spirit led, right? The spirit helps us understand the scriptures. The spirit helps us understand the will of God, um, in our day to day life. And so we see how Jesus has done this. Jesus listened to God in prayer. Um, Jesus opened up the 
scriptures to know the will of his father. Um, and so we are also called to listen to God. We listen backward by regularly interacting with God's word and his son. Uh, we also spend time actively listening to what God is saying to us through his Holy Spirit in us and through his creation. We take time to actively listen forward to hear what God is saying to us today and also to listen to other stories and help them find their lives within God's story. So one of the things that we say and and one of the curriculums that we have for missional community is the story-formed way, um, the story of God, it's also known as. Um, Basically taking God's story, the whole story of Scripture, breaking it down to a 10-week series um, and talking about from from Genesis to Revelation, what is God's story? What is he telling? Well, and and through that curriculum we see, and actually through Scripture, I mean, it's rooted in the Scriptures, we see that God is telling a story and he's actually um, wrapped me. He's, he sucked me up into this story through the life, death, resurrection of Jesus. Um, and so now I'm part, I'm a small part in God's big story. Um, and, and really my story, my life story gains greater significance when I understand my story within the context of God's story. Um, that's where I see my, my aches and pains, my sorrows, my bruises, um, find their mending, their healing. Um, it gives me hope. It gives me a purpose. It gives me identity. Um, and so it's God's story that sort of reorients us. So we listen to God's story, but we also are listening as missionaries here, um, to the stories of other people. So here, Here's where some of our, our the overlap happens with these um, rhythms and our identities. So if I'm if I'm on mission to somebody and, and I'm getting to know them, um, I'm listening for gospel snags. I'm listening to their story where I could speak the truth of the gospel into their life in a meaningful way, not in just some sort of rote, uh, you know, um, oh Jesus loves you sort of you know cliche um, gospel presentation, but actually s- s- um, tell them about Je- about Jesus in a, in a meaningful way that resonates with their story. And in order to do that well, we have to be good listeners, and so we 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 become um, good listeners now. Here's the other thing is that also we become good listeners within um, the context of community. First of all, I mentioned it already with being a servant. You've got to be able to listen to be able to see um, where there are needs that you could meet, but also just like for, for our family members, what's going on in somebody's life? Is there something is there um, something going on that you can check in with somebody that you can um, uh, love on them in some way that with some maybe it's life circumstances going on? Um, ways to be listening for how you can step into somebody's life. How can you um, point them to Jesus in a meaningful way? And so we we, we make it a, a regular rhythm to intentionally listen. Uh, the second one is celebrate. Christians should have the best parties in the city, right? Hands down. Nobody has a better reason to celebrate um, than us. And so we, we want to, every Sunday, every Sunday gathering is essentially a celebration. Um, it's a covenant celebration that God has been faithful. He's remained faithful to us, even though our faithfulness has, has wandered, drifted away. Um, it's wavered. And so we can celebrate the faithfulness, the steadfastness of, of God and, and his, um, his undeserved blessings that he pours out upon us. And one of the things that you, as you read through the old Testament, God told us people that you got to be party people, right? There's going to be times every year that are set aside for you to intentionally celebrate festivals, um, these celebrations for you to celebrate, to, to pay attention to the goodness of Jesus uh, and his grace and to acknowledge them and to, to celebrate these evidences of grace. And so um, we do the Sunday gatherings, um, we also want to do this, uh, missional communities as we, we see this in the family context. Um, but we also want to celebrate milestones in our personal lives, right? Birthdays, anniversaries, holidays, other special things, graduations, um, that have demonstrated God's grace and faithfulness towards us. And so, um, we just want to celebrate. Now, here's one of the cool things that, that you celebrate as we celebrate, we make this a regular rhythm, um, 
we 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 want to like we want to celebrate things not just for the thing in and of itself but but the giver of that good thing okay so it's like birthdays one of the things that our families um, started doing is we got a birthday we make a somebody stand up on the chair at the dinner table and uh, and we just affirm them um, but we affirm them in a way that kind of affirms them but directs the glory to God so it's like I see what God has done in you in this last year um, to make you you know with my oldest is like to, to make you um, curious and adventurous and to um, be tender-hearted toward other people um, and so we can celebrate those things um, that that are demonstrated within this person's life and, and still give glory to God for it because he's the giver he's the one who's made this possible and so we, we kind of uh, our celebrations ought to point not just to the gift but to the giver of the gift. Um, and then with that, so if we're celebrating as our nuclear family, well, we can include our missional community family in on that. Cause you know, um, there are other people who love us and care for us and, and want to celebrate these milestones with us. And so we can bring them into these celebrations and guess what? Uh, celebrations, parties are a great thing, a great place to, to, you know, to really exercise your identity as a missionary and invite non-believing friends and family in to celebrate with us then. And it's kind of cool because now you're inviting your church family to engage with you on mission to these other people. So maybe there's some relationships that get started there. You know, like maybe some people, you know, I, I've, I've had a couple of people um, in my mission community, you know, they, they like computer, they like um, uh, computer stuff, the tech stuff, they like um, uh, anime or whatever it might be. And, and and somebody that I'm on mission to, I'm not necessarily into that stuff, um, but somebody I'm uh, I'm on mission to is also into that stuff. And so I can connect those two people and they can form a relationship in that way. And so celebrations, parties are an awesome way um, to get involved there. The, the, the third one is to eat. Um, everybody eats. Everybody's got to eat. Uh, most of us eat some t- somewhere between... Um, 14 to 21 meals a week, depending on if you uh, fast, intermittent fast or not. Um, I know some of us do that. Um, but eating is an incredible opportunity for us to to, to um, exercise our identities. Um, in fact, all of them. Um, w- over a meal, we can be eating with our missional community family, our, our um, people we're on mission to. Um, we can serve people by preparing great meals um, to bless them with that. Um, uh, and then just over, over, uh, bread and wine is, is a great place to be a learner. Right. And so, um, meals are an incredible opportunity, uh, incredible place for us to exercise some of those identities. So we, so we want to commune around God's truth. We want to eat regularly, uh, with those who are in our immediate family, those who are outside of our, uh, immediate family and our church family, um, and those people that we are on mission to. And so we, we want to share our dinner table. And in fact, um, Rosari Butterfield talks about the power of the kitchen table for, um, for ministry, for, um, for mission. And, uh, you know, I, I think that's something that's like our, our dinner tables can blow holes in the gates of hell. Um, and so I just think that's super cool that, that we can uh, use that for the kingdom um, and, and eat together as we uh, celebrate Jesus. And, and of course, Jesus gave us a meal to remember him by in the Lord's Supper. Uh, fourth, we bless. We intentionally bless others through words, gifts, or actions. God desires that all nations and all people would be blessed through Jesus. In fact, when you go through the Old Testament, as God is calling Abraham, uh, one of the things he tells Abraham is that I'm going to bless you and you are going to be a blessing to the nations. And the same thing happens with Christians, that God blesses us and he intends for us to be a blessing uh, to those who do not yet know him. And so we we want to 
be a blessing to those around us in word, thought, deed, and gifts or actions. Um, and so, you know, like one of the rhythms that gets worked out is, you know, somebody at Sacred City has a, a baby. Uh, we want to bless that family for a couple weeks by providing meals for them. It's just it's really easy for way for us to bless them. Uh, it's a way to help them out, but but it's just a cool way to express that our, our love and care for them and, and to uh, share the blessings that we have with them. Uh, uh, and and you know maybe it's through gifts. Um, I, I some people I don't know if you're in love languages, but some people it's like really means a lot to get a. Uh, a little gift of some kind, um, you know, just expresses, Hey, I, I was thinking about you. I got this for you. I think it's cool. But I think one, maybe one of the most powerful way to, to bless people and it doesn't cost a dime is to bless others through words. Um, uh, and so like shooting somebody an encouraging text message, tell them, telling them that you're praying for them. Um, affirming them like just all kinds of different ways that we can use our words to build each other up and not tear each other down obviously as we don't want to do that um but to bless one another that that gives uh that validates people in their personhood in their identity in christ uh and and encourages them to keep pressing on um and so another way just thinking through this as a uh, a servant you know like to to live a life of servanthood is is to really be a blessing to other people. It's to put them before you, which is uh, really a part of, of blessing. And so we want to intentionally seek God's direction for who he would have us to tangibly bless each week. So we, we, it's not just like, you know, a quarterly thing that happens, um, but how do we make this like a regular rhythm of our life uh, to bless people that we are living in community with? And and the last um, rhythm that we talk about is is to recreate. We take time, um, and this word recreate is is a kind of a hybrid word. We can say recreate or recreate. Um, we take time to rest, play, create, and restore beauty in ways that reflect God to others. After powerfully and joyfully creating the universe, God rested. We were created in his image, and therefore we were made to joyfully create and rest as well, to reflect on what God is like uh, to our city. This means also that we were made to enjoy the goodness of God's creation in our city and regularly participate in and enjoy our city's parks, festivals, and special events. Well, now, COVID's kind of put a wrinkle in that, but that doesn't mean we can't do that anymore. But it just means we have to be a little bit more creative. Like, how, how do we... How do we recreate? So part of it is like your vocation, your work, you are participating in in the renewal of our cities by doing a good job, whether you're in uh, the the restaurant industry, your service person, um, whatever teacher, whatever you're doing, chiropractor, you're you're adding value to our city by your vocation, by serving people, by blessing people, um, and, and doing your job in a way that, that glorifies, you know, Paul talks about do, do not work as unto men, but unto the Lord. Um, and, and that's one of the ways that we create, um, that we add value to our cities, but also in, in a recreational sense that we just got to rest. We need to understand that we've got, uh, limitations. There's margins that we've got to live, uh, and, and provide, uh, margins for ourselves, um, in order to really get the most out of life. And so we've got to make a practice out of Sabbath. Um, and I know that this is something that, you know, some, Oh, I don't, it's so busy. I got too much stuff going on. Yeah. It's, it takes a lot of intentionality to say, Hey, this is a day where I'm not going to grind. I'm not going to, um, you know, do a couple hours of work here. I'm actually going to rest. 
um, and I'm going to do it joyfully. I'm going to enjoy God. I'm going to spend time in his word. I'm going to worship with my church family um, and, and really participate in the Sabbath, not in a um, in a lounging way where you just lay up on the couch and do nothing because that, that's really not, that's not the soul rest that you need. That That's a false kind of rest. And in fact, you do that um, and chances are you probably get kind of slothful. You'll get lazy uh, and the next day it's going to seem nice to just kind of veg out. And, you know, there's going to be times where, you go hard and you need a little bit of rest like that, you know, that I'm not, I'm not saying that, that that's not a thing. Um, but just having that sort of recreational soul rest, um, where we're resting, we're playing, um, you know, Christians ought to have a lot of fun too, right? With in the same way that we throw great parties, um, the, we can enjoy things to a greater extent because we know God is behind it. He's a giver of those things. So it's like enjoying the creation, enjoying uh, our bodies physically, getting out, um, getting a sweat, you know, something like that. Anything um, to enjoy what God's given us. We, we ought to do that and make it a regular rhythm and honestly not feel bad about it. Um, we should enjoy these things. And, and in doing so, it's a way to worship God. And so what we're talking about here with these identities and rhythms um means that there's no divide between the sacred and the secular. There's no split between my church life and life life, Um, my church life and work life or family life. What this is showing us when Jesus is saying, you know, he he says that all of life will be laid bare before Jesus. Everything is sacred. Everything is meant to be devoted to him as an act of worship. Um, And and, and we talk about uh, uh, where Jesus talks about, um, spiritual act of worship is, is this way to live, uh, as a living sacrifice. And so this is how we do it through these identities, these gospel identities that we receive in the gospel, um, and then actively engaging in them and living into them and also the rhythms that come with it. And so I just want to encourage you to sit here and and think for a moment, man, what, what am I strong in? You know, what has God gifted me in as far as like my natural disposition? Maybe you've got a bent towards community or mission, or you're you're just a, a, a servant hearted person celebrate that. And like, how can I utilize that? Um, with the intention of, of advancing the kingdom of God, participating with Jesus in that way. Um, and then just also kind of taking an honest assessment. What about weekend? You know, like, do I tend to, to treat my home as a, uh, as an oasis, as a, uh, a refuge for myself instead of a, as a missionary, you know, and as an outpost for the kingdom, uh, to bring people, family, uh, mission community, family, um, people on my mission to in and, and, and enjoy that space with me for good gospel conversation. So, uh, I just want to, I just want to encourage you to take some time, process that. And then if you're feeling convicted, believe the gospel. Your identity is not wrapped up in what you do. That that would be a performance-based religion um, that is antithetical to the gospel. The gospel says it's by grace, through faith, you are who you are in Christ. And so that means w- without earning it, without uh, having some sort of resume to prove my my place as a, as a family member in God's family or to prove that I'm a missionary or prove I'm a servant or whatever it might be, that this is who I am because Jesus has made me this way. And the more I live into my new identity, the, the reality of being a new creation in Christ, the more I enjoy Jesus, the more the gospel comes alive to me because you really have to have the power of gospel at work in your life to, to day in, day out to live in this kind of way. It, it's a radical reorientation to life. 
Um, and it takes the power of the gospel working in and through you um, to bring this about. And so I just want to encourage you to press into Jesus. See how he's done this for you, how he's brought you into God's family, how he's pursued you when you had no in- interest in Jesus, in God, um, how he laid his life down in service to you, how he showed you the way for life and godliness in himself. Um, and cling to him, uh, put your faith in him, trust him, and let him uh transform you from one degree of glory to the next as you believe the gospel. Um, that's it for today. I hope you uh, enjoyed this. Uh, love to hear your feedback. If there's anything else you want to hear on this podcast topic-wise, I'd love to hear from you and get that stuff out. I'm going to try to stay on regular uh, rhythm here with this podcast, uh, but I need your help to do that. So if you want to shoot me a message uh, on Realm, uh, Sam at sacredcitychurch.com, I- I'd love to hear um, stuff you're interested in that I can speak to. Uh, I hope you guys have a great week. I will see you on Sunday. <laughs>